Chapter 5 of Celebrated Crimes, Volume 5, Part 2, Le Constantin, by Alexandre Dumas. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 5 The Chevalier was still holding Angelique's hand when a step resounded outside, and a voice was heard. "'Can it be that he has come back?' exclaimed the damsel, hastily freeing herself from the passionate embrace of the Chevalier. "'It's not possible. Mon Dieu! Mon Dieu! It's his voice!' And she grew pale to the lips, and stood staring at the door with outstretched arms, unable to advance or recede. The Chevalier listened, but felt sure the approaching voice belonged neither to the commander nor to the treasurer. "'His voice?' thought Quennebert to himself. "'Can this be yet another aspirant to her favor?' The sound came nearer. "'Hide yourself!' said Angelique, pointing to a door opposite to the partition behind which the widow and the notary were ensconced. "'Hide yourself there! There's a secret staircase. You can get out that way!' "'I hide myself!' exclaimed Morange with a swaggering air. "'What are you thinking of? I will remain.' It would have been better for him to have followed her advice, as may very well have occurred to the youth two minutes later as a tall, muscular young man entered in a state of intense excitement. Angelique rushed to meet him, crying, "'Ah! Monsieur le Duc, is it you?' "'What is this I hear, Angelique?' said the Duc de Vitry. "'I was told below that three men had visited you this evening, but only two have gone out. Where is the third? Ha! I do not need long to find him,' he added as he caught sight of the Chevalier, who stood his ground bravely enough. "'In heaven's name!' cried Angelique. "'In heaven's name! Listen to me!' "'No, no, not a word. Just now I am not questioning you. Who are you, sir?' The Chevalier's teasing and bantering disposition made him even at that critical moment insensible to fear, so he retorted insolently, "'Whoever I please to be, sir, and on my word I find the tone in which you put your question delightfully amusing.' The duke sprang forward in a rage, laying his hand on his sword. Angelique tried in vain to restrain him. "'You want to screen him from my vengeance, you false one,' said he, retreating a few steps, so as to guard the door. "'Defend your life, sir!' "'Do you defend yours?' Both drew at the same moment. Two shrieks followed, one in the room, the other behind the tapestry, for neither Angelique nor the widow had been able to restrain her alarm as the two swords flashed in air. In fact, the latter had been so frightened that she fell heavily to the floor in a faint. This incident probably saved the young man's life. His blood had already begun to run cold at the sight of his adversary foaming with rage and standing between him and the door, when the noise of the fall distracted the duke's attention. "'What was that?' he cried. Are there other enemies concealed here, too? And forgetting that he was leaving a way of escape free, he rushed in the direction from which the sound came, and lunged at the tapestry-covered partition with his sword. Meantime the Chevalier, dropping all his airs of bravado, sprang from one end of the room to the other like a cat pursued by a dog. But rapid as were his movements, the Duke perceived his flight, and dashed after him at the risk of breaking both his own neck and the Chevalier's by a chase through unfamiliar rooms and down stairs which were plunged in darkness. All this took place in a few seconds, like a flash of lightning. Twice, with hardly any interval, the street door opened and shut noisily, and the two enemies were in the street, one pursued and the other pursuing. 
my god just to think of all that has happened is enough to make one die of fright said mademoiselle de guerchi what will come next i should like to know and what shall i say to the duke when he comes back just at this instant a loud cracking sound was heard in the room angelique stood still once more struck with terror and recollecting the cry she had heard her hair which was already loosened escaped entirely from its bonds and she felt it rise on her head as the figures on the tapestry moved and bent towards her falling on her knees and closing her eyes she began to invoke the aid of god and all the saints but she soon felt herself raised by strong arms and looking round she found herself in the presence of an unknown man who seemed to have issued from the ground or the walls and who seizing the only light left unextinguished in the scuffle dragged her more dead than alive into the next room this man was as the reader will have already guessed maitre quenabert as soon as the chevalier and the duke had disappeared the notary had run toward the corner where the widow lay and having made sure that she was really unconscious and unable to see or hear anything so that it would be quite safe to tell her any story he pleased next day he returned to his former position and applying his shoulder to the partition easily succeeded in freeing the ends of the rotten laths from the nails which held there and pushing them before him made an aperture large enough to allow of his passing through into the next apartment he applied himself to this task with such vigour and became so absorbed in its accomplishment that he entirely forgot the bag of twelve hundred livres which the widow had given him who are you what do you want with me cried mademoiselle de guerchi struggling to free herself silence was quenabert's answer don't kill me for pity's sake who wants to kill you be silent i don't want your shrieks to call people here i must be alone with you for a few moments once more i tell you to be quiet unless you want me to use violence if you do what i tell you no harm shall happen to you but who are you monsieur i am neither a burglar nor a murderer that's all you need to know the rest is no concern of yours have you writing materials at hand uh, yes monsieur there they are on that table very well now uh, sit down at the table why sit down and answer my questions the first man who visited you this evening was monsieur janin was he not yes monsieur janin de castille the king's treasurer yes all right the second was commander de jars and the young man he brought with him was his nephew the chevalier de morange the last comer was a duke am i not right the duke de vitry now write from my dictation he spoke very slowly and mademoiselle de guerchi obeying his commands took up her pen to-day dictated quenabert to-day this twentieth day of the month of november in the year of the lord sixteen fifty eight i uh, what is your full name angelique louise de guerchi uh, go on i angelique louise de guerchi was visited in the rooms which i occupy in the mansion of the duchess de temp corner of the streets guillacourt and du hirepois about half-past seven o'clock in the evening in the first place by monsieur janin de castille king's treasurer in the second place by commander de jars who was accompanied by a young man his nephew the chevalier de morange in the third place after the departure of commander de jars and while i was alone with the chevalier de morange 
by the duc de vitry who drew his sword upon the said chevalier and forced him to take flight now put in a line by itself and use capitals description of the chevalier de morange but i only saw him for an instant said angelique and i can't recall write and don't talk i can recall everything and that is all that is wanted height about five feet the chevalier said quennebert interrupting himself is four feet eleven inches three lines and a half but i don't need absolute exactness angelique gazed at him in utter stupefaction do you know him then she asked i saw him this evening for the first time but my eye is very accurate height about five feet hair black eyes ditto nose aquiline mouth large lips compressed forehead high face oval complexion pale no beard now another line and in capitals special marks a small bowl on the neck behind the right ear a smaller mole on the left hand uh, have you written that now sign it with your full name what use are you going to make of this paper i should have told you before if i had desired you to know any questions are quite useless i don't enjoy secrecy on you however added the notary as he folded the paper and put it into his doublet pocket you are quite free to tell anyone you like that you have written the description of the chevalier de morange at the dictation of an unknown man who got into your room you don't know how by the chimney or through the ceiling perhaps but who was determined to leave it by a more convenient road is there not a secret staircase show me where it is i don't want to meet anyone on my way out angelique pointed out a door to him hidden by a damask curtain and quennebert saluting her opened it and disappeared leaving angelique convinced that she had seen the devil in person not until the next day did the sight of the displaced partition explain the apparition but even then so great was her fright so deep was the terror which the recollection of the mysterious man inspired that despite the permission to tell what had happened she mentioned her adventure to no one and did not even complain to her neighbor madame rapally of the inquisitiveness which had led the widow to spy on her actions end of chapter five recording by john van stan savannah georgia